BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, happy Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? I don't even know. This is the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure, hit the subscribe button and give us a good rating. Well, Gary, it is, um, well, I don't even, what is today? Today is Tuesday the 8th, 17th, 18th, whatever it is. Martin Luther King Day was yesterday. So if it's Tuesday, then it's another day, another batch of classified documents discovered in one of many by many of Joe Biden's uh, multi-million dollar residences of course all earned on a government salary of $140,000 a year why didn't the FBI why hasn't the FBI investigated the Biden documents well Tom, I mean, look, uh, I, I think we all know the answer and, and we don't like the answer because it's a horrifying answer. It's a depressing answer. Uh, no matter how many times we have it shoved in our face, we, we continue to be surprised about it. They have weaponized federal law enforcement to use against conservatives. I would argue against particularly populist conservatives conservatives that are willing to challenge the status quo uh, that came to be embraced by what some critics call the uniparty. You know, Democrats and Republicans have a lot of things that they disagree about, but over recent decades, they haven't disagreed about massive trade deals with multi-trading partners all over the world, in which we end up, because they're so big, there's got to be international organizations set up to regulate the trade deals. And the international organizations go into abortion and same-sex marriage and restricting freedom of speech, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then there's the, you know, the, the whole, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm a strong national defense conservative, but I watch these treaties that we're doing with countries around the world and the treaties end up again getting into things that have nothing to do with national defense. So when a populist conservative comes along that raises questions about the trade deals, about gutting our industrial base, raises questions about whether we should be getting into more no-win wars, uh, then uh, the the deep state goes absolutely crazy. I, I you know that's a long winded answer. My answer was going to be I thought you were going to nail that. Well, you did, but um, the answer is twofold. I think to a question that I asked. So obviously I got to research the answer prior. Um, hatred of Trump, obviously, and uh, it was the last. His raid was the last desperate desperate attempt to try and pin. Uh, something on him related to uh, January 6th. Now, obviously, when you start losing the Democrats, that's the new Fox News meme, is that Biden is losing the Democrats. I say that's 
hogwash. I was going to use uh, another. Well, you probably really believe that it's even something worse than hogwash. Well, it you know I was it. it this is uh, you know family radio, family podcasting. Uh, I think it's nonsense because whenever push comes to shove, the Dems will all line up uh, in lockstep, in goose step, like the uh, uh, Rockettes. What do they come? Remember the Rockettes from the dancing? Um, I, I do. Yeah. Well, that's that's that that's what'll happen. That's why they were trying to throw the book at Trump. Of course, it failed. Um, and rather than and Mark Levin made this point the other night, rather than simply announcing. Uh, he wasn't going to decriminalize either of these cases. The attorney general um, has kind of doubled down now on special counsels on both ends. We've got 27 heavily armed FBI agents that raided Mar-a-Lago, including taking his uh, Trump's passport, which they eventually had to give back. No pre-dawn raids of any of Biden's numerous residences, nor his Corvette garage, or post-dawn raids for that matter. and. You wonder at what point – well, I guess the answer is never because the Democrats – they're pretending as though they're jumping ship from Biden, but I don't buy it for a second. When push comes to shove, when he's really in trouble, uh, it'll be back to back to attacks on Trump. Well, I, I agree that, um, that Fox uh, and others are exaggerating the, 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 rel- the relatively small – um, light that has appeared between <laughs> some set, uh, some congressional liberals and uh, and Joe Biden. I, although Tom, I do think that um, th- that there there is a desire within the Democrat Party not to have Joe Biden run again. And uh, he's all they got, Gary. I mean, who? Well, who- I, I I think they look. I think they feel Gavin Newsom can win a nationwide uh, presidential race. I, I think they feel like they've got a number of people can do that. And as we've seen with with the victory of Mr. Fetterman uh, <laughs> to be a United States senator, <laughs> that look look Tom, you you remember how um, um, the the left said. How in the world could Christians vote for Donald Trump and Mike, yeah, the Trump-Pence ticket? And the answer to that was uh, we weren't picking our, our pastor or our Sunday school teacher. We were picking someone that was going to implement public policies that is, as Christian voters, I'm speaking not for you, obviously, but the Christians who turned out in massive numbers for Trump. Twice. We were, we were picking somebody that would appoint the kind of Supreme Court justices that understood the importance of religious liberty, uh, that would uh, do a whole lot of things we were in favor of. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the next presidential election when, uh, if it's not Biden, when they nominate Gavin Newsom or Buttigieg or uh, whoever it is, um, a whole lot of people, uh, it, probably 42, 43 uh, percent of the country will look at that nominee and say, that guy is going to implement my left wing policies and I'm going to vote for him. 
And the same number will say that probably about whoever the the Republicans nominate. And then we're going to end up with about 15 percent of the country that the election will be about. And and a third of those will lean right and a third of those will lean left. So you end up getting down to 5 percent of the population of the voting population that will decide the election. Uh, so I, I think they do have people to run. Look, they, they didn't have anybody to run in 2020, and they, they, they nominated nobody, and nobody uh, was declared the winner. Yep, yep, yep. It's interesting. Uh, the headline of the day, this is my favorite now, uh, today's uh, New York Times on page A16, that is, A16. Nothing on the front page through any of the national or international sections. Page A16, headline New York Times, no logs for GOP to scrutinize. That is the, um, that's the extent of reportage in our nation's newspaper of record regarding the fact that there are no, so they allege, I doubt that's true, no visitor logs at any of Biden's personal residences, either in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, or in Wilmington, or in the Corvette garage. I spent four years in a White House recently. You've spent eight years in a White House. I know how when we were being vetted for TSSCI, which is the highest level of uh, security, that's top secret, secure, uh, classified information, meaning you can only see it in a skiff. That's the highest level of, uh, of security status that our government offers. We're put through hours and hours of Zoom training, online training, what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do. They ask us stupid questions, multiple choice questions. If you see a a classified document, what are you supposed to do? You know, swallow it, give it to the dog, or return it to the appropriate authorities. We had to go through all of that. I was only in government four years. You were in government eight. Joe Biden's been in government 50. And you're telling me he's unaware of any of these rules? By the way, the president, that is the former president, Donald Trump, as commander-in-chief, as president, has statutory authority or had statutory statutory authority to declassify anything he doggone well wanted to declassify. And he claims that all the documents that were found at Mar-a-Lago that were under lock and key, by the way, under Secret Service protection, were in fact declassified. He has Cash Patel, who was one of his chief counsels at the end of that administration, uh, asserting that, in fact, that is the case. He told Cash prior to January 20 that those documents would be declassified. Yet you've got big media still today uh, downplaying all of this. And the fact that there are no visitor logs where these documents were kept and we've gone through on this show and they've gone through on other shows, the tens of millions of illegal, illicit foreign dollars that were washed through either Biden think tanks or Hunter Biden business entities or his brother, I can't remember his brother's name, uh, Joe Biden's brother, who was uh, also part of this, Hunter Biden, Burisma, the, the Chinese private equity fund, all of this stuff. And yet the um, former government ethics director, Walter Schaub, who was an Obama appointee, uh, was on television today. And this is from our friends at JustTheNews.com. 
This is his quote. This is Schwab's quote. It's nothing like Trump's deliberate refusal to return classified records demanded by the National Archives, but Biden's own retention of classified records reflect an in, a, a neglect of the most basic security protocols. I mean, that's, that's, that's the spin that we're getting, that Biden has been cooperative, that Trump wasn't. It's a lie to say Trump wasn't. Trump was in good faith negotiations with the National Archives through his legal counsel on a protocol to 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 uh, document and to return those uh, that were classified versus not classified. So it's it's just that, that's why I think what we've seen in the last two days, where some Democrats are saying, you know, this was sloppy, uh, in no way means that Democrats are jumping ship from Joe Biden. I don't think they are or will. Uh, well, I continue to think they that serious people want him not to run. But I'm not sure we're saying the different we're saying necessarily different things. Uh, yeah, well, Tom, look, the difference between how Mar-a-Lago was handled and Car-a-Lago was handled <laughs> is uh, is dramatic, and it's there for anybody, even those with low IQs, to see. I mean, the differences are stark. You, you know, here's something that hasn't been asked enough, Tom. Why was the search for classified documents? even started we know why we know why tell us go ahead you and i speculated that it was because the republicans took the house it but but i can see the republicans taking the house and you say uh, to yourself okay now we're gonna have to get real serious but why specifically did somebody biden or somebody else say you know, we better search every place to see if there are any classified documents. I mean, why would they even think that was a problem? Well, the day before they announced the first tranche or batch, as the New York Times calls it, a batch of information. So in other words, it's not significant. It's a batch. They don't define what batch means, whether it's one scrap of paper or a thousand. By the way, let me interrupt you. Carol said that she wanted to scream at us and tell us that a batch of cookies <laughs> means several dozen, maybe three, four dozen. Is that right? A batch that. Is, that right? is not one or two or three. It is significant cookies. So a batch of documents. You know, the, the other things, the other thing is it doesn't tell you the number of pages. Of course not. It's a t- utterly meaningless uh, euphemism trying to minimize the impact of what was found. We know to the to the page, 300, what is it, 323 pages that they're claiming Trump has. You notice how we've never gotten a number on any of these four separate discoveries? It's always been batch or tranche or um, collection, never any numbers, never any uh, photographs taken by any of these unsecured agents. Of course, and the irony is, is that this is these are Biden's personal lawyers who do not have TSSCI clearance, which we spoke about a moment ago, or any kind of clearance whatsoever. So technically, it's illegal for them. I don't know if it's illegal. It's certainly improper for them to be looking at these documents. And there are a lot of questions. Fox News is asking, why is this the case? Well, I can think of a very good reason. Because if they're not formally delegated, then they're not guilty of anything, right? I mean, they're just personal lawyers looking through boxes of documents as they vet through, you know, Joe's Corvette. I mean, that's the vetting. That was your line from last week. So, well, the, the documents they found uh, in the Penn Center 
uh, reportedly were in a manila envelope marked personal, which is interesting. Uh, what is the process that, you know, results in in Joe Biden leaving the White House after the end of the disastrous Obama-Biden years? Six years ago, by the way. Yeah, six years ago. And he takes some classified documents. He puts them in the Penn Center. He takes some classified documents and has them driven or he drives them to his home in Wilmington, Delaware. And then when he drives him to the home, he puts some of those documents in the library. He puts some of those documents someplace else. And, you know, answer me this, Tom. In what world does a lawyer say, you know, we better check the garage? I mean, really? Even if you've been told, you know, check my documents to make sure there's no classified documents. Do you look in the garage? Is that a normal place to look? Does, you know, I mean, do you keep any of your sensitive documents in the garage? I'm not telling you about it. Yeah. Well, I'm not telling uh, you. No, there's stuff here um, that we don't have answers for. And given the past patterns, we'll, I, I think the odds are still that we'll never get answers. Uh, Tom, the other thing that jumped out at me is that from the very beginning of this story breaking, Biden has lied through his teeth. And he has lied reading statements prepared for him by his attorneys. And he's, you, people should go back and look at those clips because he does it with ease. Oh, he's a congenital pathological. By the way, this, this just breaking, this just breaking, I have a news release in front of me now. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell issues a statement on the Biden Document Foundation. This is it, quote. <laughs> I was thinking I was getting all excited here that you were going to read me a uh, a statement. I'm I still can, reading. I'm still reading. Um, yeah, I, and that's the I end can, of the statement. I can barely find a Republican senator. Uh, isn't that than, strange? I mean, isn't it's, that it's it's well, it's that's not the adjective I would use. It's infuriating well, and it's obviously. telling. Obviously, um, the. They are many of these guys are more interested in making sure we don't have a populist Republican Party that speaks to the concerns of middle America and working class America than they are concerned about having a, a left wing, progressive, neo Marxist Democrat Party that is forever changing what America is. There are a lot, there are a lot, I mean, Mitch McConnell won uh, re-election as leader of the Republican caucus by acclamation. Say what you will. I mean, there are 18 that voted for this omnibus obscenity, but there are a lot of conservatives in the Senate. There's Ted Cruz, there's Mike Lee, there's Mike Braun. I mean, there, you can go down the list. They all voted for him. They all voted for every one of them. Yeah. No, look, uh, uh, Cruz tells the story not often, but he tells it periodically. Where, as a uh, as in his early years as senator, um, when Mitch was running for uh, election, then that in the caucus with all the senators together, uh, Mitch made his pitch, and it it wasn't uh, you know how we were going to establish under his leadership conservative principles and so forth. He, he went around the room and he pointed to various Republican senators and said, I raised $2 million for you. 
and into the next one. I raised $1.5 million for you. And that was his argument for why he ought to be uh, the leader of the Senate. What do you make? Sarah Huckabee Sanders, her first week on the job, her first day on the job. you got to love this. She bans critical race theory from being taught in Arkansas schools. She signed this executive order um, banning the use of this non-word Latinx, which, by the way, Hispanics, Latinos hate, they despise. And she put, best of all, she put a hiring freeze on um, uh, pay and hiring for, for state state government. I, I've heard some people in the last uh, couple of days, or maybe I've read them on uh, uh, that internet thing, uh, suggesting that um, uh, that governor, the new governor Huckabee, should be cons- on the short list for uh, VP for uh, whoever gets uh, the the Republican presidential nomination. That that's too soon, isn't it? One year, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and and you know. Um, you know, being being courageous like that in Arkansas, yeah, is not quite the same as That's being right. courageous like that in uh, Florida or uh, uh, Ohio or 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 whatever. Right. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast right here on JustTheNews.com. We're back right after this. Have you heard? You can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free. Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by our good friends at SiriusXM, the Patriot Channel 125, and JustTheNews.com. I know you want to get into this racial reparations. The Democrats uh, yesterday, using the anniversary, the commemoration of the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., are ramping up efforts to push uh, racial reparations. So yesterday was a good enough excuse as any to talk about reparations. The San Francisco, you probably saw this, the San Francisco City Council's Reparations Committee has now formally recommended $5 million to every black person in San Francisco, as well as complete debt forgiveness. Um, I, I, I haven't checked this. I haven't vetted this with our crack research staff, but I don't know that there are any black people in or around the Bay Area that have been enslaved. Are you? I, I, I was not aware that there were any uh, uh, enslaved uh, people of any color in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I also thought, again, you can correct me, that California entered the Union in 1846 as a free state that banned slavery and that California uh, never adopted any Jim Crow segregation laws in California, or am I missing something? No, Tom, you you never miss anything, and you're <laughs> certainly not missing anything now. Look, the whole idea of reparations is to give money to people that were never slaves, uh, and the money comes from people who never owned slaves. Right. I mean, that violates the central – who sinned and who is sinned against. Well, the payers aren't sinners, and those who were sinned against weren't sinned against. And the, the other the other problem, of course, with it, Tom, is is any reasonable person would have to understand that there is probably no public policy idea more likely 
to divide America and stoke racial hatred than the, than the proposal of reparations. It, 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 is, it is division on steroids. It will infuriate people. And it won't resolve the do- it won't resolve a doggone thing. That will not be the end of the radicals' demands. No, no, it, it won't. Look, Tom. The thing. I mean, I saw it. I thought, well, San Francisco. I doubt if it's going to happen. Uh, but nonetheless, it's it's uh, it's it's a stupid, asinine, ridiculous idea. The thing that had me boiling over the weekend is that Joe Biden spent Martin Luther King's birthday weekend. Uh, undermining everything that Martin Luther King believed in. Martin Luther King wanted race to be the least important thing about us. Uh, Joe Biden and the, de- the modern Democrat Party and the, and the progressive woke left wants race to be the only thing we think about. They wanted to define us. They wanted to determine every decision we make. Um, you know, Martin Luther King wanted, instead of race, to be the way we judge people, he wanted it to be uh, character, morality. What is our moral code? That is something we ought to judge people by. We make those judgments all the time. When we hire a babysitter, you know, we take into consideration what we think that babysitter's moral code is. When we hire someone to work in a business with us, when we date somebody, one hopes you take in the consideration of moral code. When we elect a politician, we want them to be somebody that has a moral center. But the modern left rejects all of that. They're, they're moral relativists. Biden promotes, Biden, for crying out loud, is suggesting uh, that the Bible uh, justifies abortion or justifies same-sex marriage or any number of other things. So uh, time after time, Biden did everything he could to divide us by race uh, over this weekend. Uh, and, and, by, and by the way, Tom, I don't know if you noticed, the election's over, the congressional re- elections are over. So what did he do? He attacked the police again. He He said that the big problem is— we have we haven't figured out a way to, to teach police that they don't have, have to, to shoot have to, have, to kill. Right, exactly. I mean, this whatever. I mean, here's a debate I would love to have. I'd love to have a debate uh, in contrast to the reparations debate on who gets to pay, who has to pay for all the incalculable damage that all these national policies over the past 50 years that were designed to rectify past discrimination have actually caused to the African-American community, to the, to the black population in this country. These failed welfare policies that have resulted in multi-generational welfare dependencies. We spent over $25 trillion on wealth transfer programs since the Great Society. That $25 trillion and black living standards uh, have hardly budged at all. There's no debate or discussion about uh, reducing or eliminating those disparities that have been caused by perhaps well-intentioned federal policies that were designed, so they tell us, to mitigate this damage when in fact they've done nothing but retard the, uh, uh, retard the progress of uh, black America. Yeah, it's, and Tom, the major thing that they did was they, they broke up the black family. You know, if you're a, a low-income black man, uh, 
um, there there was a time in America there were enough um, blue collar jobs that working class black men and white men and Hispanic men could get those jobs and, and make uh, enough of a living to provide for their wives and a couple of children. And, and by working hard, give those children a better life. Uh, but of course, in that process, both a man and a woman had to be willing to put up with all the things you have to put up in in a marriage that works. You know, you don't like the other person's habits. You, you know, maybe you, you, you think he, he drinks too much or maybe uh, it's this or it's that. But you're, you're a team. You love each other. You work together. You've got a goal. But when we began to provide benefits to low-income families— that the woman could get without being married. In fact, the benefits would go up if she wasn't married. The irritations of her spouse could be disposed That's of. That's right. I mean, and Thomas Sowell's done tremendous research on this. In 1960, black divorce rates or black family breakup rates were lower than whites. So this has all happened subsequent to the adoption of all these great society programs. Yeah, so uh, that breakup of the family uh, explains a lot of the dysfunction we're seeing in minority communities. Uh, boys without fathers end up being violent and looking for gangs to be their father. Uh, young women that don't have fathers are looking for love from other men and are more likely to engage in, in self-destructive activity. And so the whole family unit breaks down, whole communities break down. And, you, you know, until we figure out a way to solve that, we're, we're up to proverbial creek uh, as a country. You know, one of the things that even though I, I was vehemently opposed to Barack Obama uh, getting elected president of the United States, because I, you know, I, I knew he would expand the size of government and other things. He was pro-abortion and so forth. One of the things I thought would, would be a silver lining is that Barack Obama could speak to black men about their responsibility to be husbands and fathers and speak to the black community and minority communities generally about the way the path to success in America is to have an intact family unit. Uh, but he, he virtually did none of that. Well, there's, there's no society in history that I'm aware of, uh, of any known culture, any known civilization has ever been built on a mother-child-only relationship. There's simply no precedent for it. Charles Murray wrote this great book coming apart a decade or so ago. Um, and what I took away from that was that, well, it's true, every major social pathology of our time, violent crime, Gangs, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, scholastic failure, teen pre you name it, suicide, domestic violence against women, correlates more strongly to fatherlessness than it does to any other single factor. Yeah, I mean, the prisons are incredibly disproportionately made up of men raised in fatherless homes of, of all races. Now, I always feel, Tom, because I've dealt with this issue all, for years, all the way back, even further than this, but I certainly dealt with it 
uh, during the Reagan years when I was undersecretary of education because educational outcomes are very much tied to whether uh, there's a father who, like my father, who was an alcoholic, by the way, had all kinds of problems. But when he would get home late after working a couple of shifts, totally exhausted, covered, covered with grime, uh, before he would start having his couple of, of quarts of beer, he would come up to the bedroom where I was already in bed. He would wake me and say, look at me, study, read. Do what the teacher tells you so you don't have to live a life like the one I have. And that that had an impact on me, Tom. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, uh, fathers, children need mothers and they need fathers. And each provide a unique uh, something to the child. But what I was getting ready to say was... I, you know, and I want to I always say it because there's probably some single mothers listening. And I, I want to say to them, there are countless single mothers that beat these odds and, and do it heroically. And I don't want either of us to say anything that says to that single mother, you don't have a chance of raising those children to be good adults. You do. And and there are ways you can increase your chances of being successful. One of those, by the way, is to take those children to a house of worship, you know, whether it's a church or a mosque or a synagogue or whatever it is. There are things you can do, and you need to have, uh, you know, a support structure. You've got to have other family members, extended family members. Sometimes it's a grandmother that can help you. Uh, overcome those challenges. But it doesn't change the fact that social study research is clear. Children need mothers and fathers. Homes without fathers or homes without mothers have a much harder job to have a positive outcome than those that have two parents. Heck, you've raised kids. I've raised kids. It's bloody hard enough with two parents, with a mother and a father. (laughs) Look, Tom, I mean, this is sad because it's one of the other problems we have. But one of the reasons that that, uh, white families that still have fewer single-parent households— Not much. Although the trend line— Oh, yeah, absolutely. Trend line's going in the wrong direction. But when you have a two-parent household, you often have two earners. And so that's what enables the family— to maybe hire a tutor to help their children or to get uh, into a better neighborhood with a better school. And the list goes on and on and now, on. Now, Sowell, in uh, one of his more recent books, uh, created this edifice of these two families, uh, a two-parent black family living in Harlem on minimum wage salaries, uh, following the trajectory of their children versus a well-to-do uh, upper-middle-class white woman without a husband raising a child in a nice neighborhood. The black kid has a better chance of graduating from college than does the rich white kid. Yep, uh, absolutely. Well, we are we are out of time unless you've got any parting shots. No, no. I just I think I've depressed myself because I don't see uh, I don't see a turnaround on this, and uh, and it's and we've got to turn around as a nation because. I mean, we refuse to admit this is working, and the politicians. No, you can't even discuss cow- it. You're not even yeah, allowed to talk about it. The politicians are too cowardly to talk to talk about it. Uh, but the, the, now to add, you know, insult to injury, 
the country appears to be, in fact, the West in general appears to be in the middle of a birth dearth, even worse than the one we were in before COVID, uh, which is another huge problem. And uh, it's going to come back and bite us in the you-know-what, too. Yeah, if it already isn't already. Anyway, well, that, that'll that wrap it up for today. We will talk to you later in the week right here on the Biden and Biden. Did I just say? You did. <laughs> the Biden and Bauer Show. <laughs> oh, good heavens. Uh, it's, yeah. Is it too early to start drinking? Uh, I, it sounds to me like you already <laughs> have. <laughs> I should have been. Perhaps I would have avoided it. It's the Bauer and Rose podcast. We'll leave Joe Biden off our title. Have a good couple of days, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good day.